0: Well, good morning. I'm Camper Monday, Associate Pastor, and I too would like to welcome everyone, and especially those of you who are visiting. Uh, We're glad that you joined us this Lord's Day. And this Sunday, for the most part, our sermons are coming from the Pentateuch, uh, the first five books of the Bible, uh, often referred to as the law. And also this summer, uh, if you have been a part of it during our education hour, uh, we are experimenting with something new, at least new for us at Grace Covenant, and that is an intergenerational Sunday school hour, uh, so spanning the generations from our youngest to our most mature uh, in the group. And in this uh, class, we are covering the Ten Commandments, the this, this summary of God's law. And so this morning during the education hour, we came to a transition, uh, a transition in those Ten Commandments Uh, Moving from what's often referred to as the first table of the law, uh, commandments one to four, and moving uh, to the second table of the law, uh, commandments five to ten. Or another way to look at that would be moving from an emphasis on how to love God to an emphasis on how to love neighbor, which is how Jesus summarized the great commandment. Love the Lord your God, love your neighbor as yourself. And I remember uh, a few years ago being in a conversation with with Steve Tewksbury, and we were talking about this, and he pointed out that it's it's also a shift from loving God who is perfect to loving people who are imperfect. Uh, So, a challenge there as well, an added challenge for us. And the second table begins with this imperative Honor your father and your mother. Honor your father and your mother, the fifth commandment. Well, w- once in a sermon series on the Ten Commandments, uh, a, a kid went up to his pastor and he said, Pastor, we talk about the Ten Commandments in my, my home all the time, and the sermon series is, is, is helpful. And, and here we are on the, the fifth commandment, honoring your father and your mother. And, and Pastor, I get along pretty well with my parents. It's my brother and my sister that I have such a hard time with. Is there anything in the Ten Commandments that could help me with that? And the pastor looked at him and said, young man, be patient. Next week, we'll get to it. You shall not murder. (laughs) Okay, joking aside, uh, the second table of the law begins with this fifth commandment. Honor your father and mother. Because family matters, and it is a part of God's redemptive plan. Well, this morning our text is Exodus chapter 20, uh, verses 1 to 2 and verse 12. It's found on page 61 if you're using the Pew Bible. Exodus 20, verses 1 to 2 and verse 12. Let's take a moment to pray before we hear God's word. We look to you this morning, our Heavenly Father. We look to you, our good and gracious God. And Lord, as we have just sung, that all is well. Lord, would you convince our hearts of that more and more this morning? For often that is not what we experience, and yet your word tells us that it is true. And so would you speak your truth deep into our hearts, and in particular this morning as we look at this, the fifth commandment, as we look to honor our fathers and our mothers. So speak to us now, teach us and change us, and we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Now hear the word of God from Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 to 2 and verse 12. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Therefore, honor your father and your mother So that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Honor your father and your mother. This is the word of God. It is given to us for our good, for his glory. And so to it we turn. Well, it was interesting as I was studying this passage uh, twice, I came upon uh, one of Grimm's fairy tales. In fact, it was, it was one of the fairy tales that I was quite unfamiliar with. Uh, many of you are familiar with, with some of Grimm's fairy tales, and if you are reading them in their original version, uh, many are literally quite Grimm. Uh, many of them a rated R version, so uh, do not pick that off the uh, Barnes & Noble bookshelf and take it home to read to small children. Uh, the G-rated versions uh, that most of us are familiar with, thanks in large part to, to Disney, would be uh, Snow White... Cinderella, uh, Hansel and Gretel, I believe uh, the story of Rapunzel, so uh, a lot of the G-rated versions, those would be the ones I would recommend uh, for small children. But I came upon this one, uh, and and since this is the the fifth commandment, it is addressed to children, and to all of us, are children, Uh, what better place to begin than with a fairy tale, and one that has everything to do with this commandment. And it goes something like this. There was an old man and his wife died, and he had no place to go, and so he moved in with his son and with his daughter-in-law. Now, the daughter-in-law did not like the old man at all. and In fact, as he aged and he was aging rapidly, she became more and more impatient with him. A bitterness was growing, a resentment of this old man. You see, he was becoming quite senile, and he was socially awkward. He, he spoke loud a lot, and he, he, he didn't quite have the same con- control of his motor skills as he once, once did. And this really played out at the dinner table. He was a, a messy eater, and he would spill things, and, and this really, really bothered his daughter-in-law. Well, one particular uh, evening, as the family was having dinner, uh, he made quite a mess. And the daughter-in-law looked at him and said, Old man, if this is the way that you are going to eat, then you can eat in the room next door. And she picked up his bowl of porridge, she took it, put a, a chair in the corner, and sat him in the corner to eat. Well, the days and the weeks went by, and the old man continued to eat in that room uh, just off the dining room. And then one particular evening came, and there was a loud crash. And the daughter-in-law jumped up, and she rushed into the room next door. And there the old man sat. His hands were shaking, and he was looking down. He had dropped a bowl of porridge, and it had broken and gone everywhere. And she said, Old man, If you are going to eat like a pig, then we will feed you like a pig. They lived on a farm and she rushed out of the house, went to the pigsty and she grabbed a feeding trough, brought it back in, put it in the corner and there began to feed the old man. Again, the days and the the weeks went by and this is how the old man was fed night after night after night. Well, this couple had a, a young son, elementary-aged uh, son, and one day his dad was coming home from work, and uh, it was evening time close to the dinner hour, and he, as he approached the house, he could see his son sitting on the front porch, and the son was, uh, was doing some woodwork. And the dad, like a lot of dads, got excited, seeing his, seeing his son woodworking, and he walked up and he said, Son, what are you doing? What are you building? And with all sincerity... His son looked up and said, Daddy, so that I can care for you and mommy when you get old, I'm building you a feeding trough. And the man began to weep. And his wife overheard this conversation from inside the kitchen. And she too began to weep. And it was the dinner hour and the old man had gotten used to going into the other room and to the corner. But the the daughter-in-law this time rushed into the room next door escorted the man back into the dining room and set him at the table. And for the rest of the days of his life, this family cared for that old man. They fed him, they encouraged him, they honored him. Do you hear the profound implications of either honoring or dishonoring our parents? Do you hear that? One theologian noted, a society that destroys the family destroys itself. If you eliminate honor from the family, you'll eliminate honor altogether. In other words, though the fifth commandment refers specifically to parents or speaking to children about their parents, which will be our focus today, its principles address all other relationships of authoritative care. Like within the church, uh, which according to the Bible is our extended family, the family of faith, and also including the state. You see, family matters. It is a part of God's redemptive plan. And so this morning I want us to consider three questions. What, why, and how? What exactly are we commanded to do, why should we do it, and how can we do it? So the first question, what? What are we commanded to do? Well, it's simple, right? Kids, get with the program, obey your mom and dad. I've got small children, and sometimes that is the thought that goes through my mind. I told you to do X, why can you not do it? And you know, when we hear this commandment, we so often, we start to think of the young children. Uh, maybe we, we think of our, our youth, uh, the teenagers, but at some point, we begin to say, you know what, I'm grown up, I, I'm an adult now, this doesn't apply anymore, I, there are really only nine commandments for me, I outgrew uh, this one. But it's important to remember when when the Ten Commandments were first spoken, when they were first given, they were given to adults. And today they are spoken to adults. Most of us in here are adults. All of us in here are children. All of us. And so the, the command here is honor. Honor your father and your mother. So what exactly does this mean? Well, let me say something first about what it doesn't mean. This command is not primarily about obedience. Okay, we grow up, uh, we, we leave the house, we, we leave and we cleave if, if we're married, we begin our adult lives, parents know that they are to give their children roots, but then also wings to set them free. So it's not primarily about a continued obedience. It's also not primarily about affection. For some of you, you experienced horrible family lives growing up. Uh, Some that I have talked to, I cannot even imagine the pain uh, that you experience uh, because of an abusive mom or dad, uh, unreconciled relationships. So this command is not primarily about affection. And similarly, it's not primarily about admiration or gratitude for the same reasons I just mentioned. Now, honor may include each of these, but that all depends on the context. It depends on the stage of life. It depends on relationship between parent and child. So what what does honor mean? Well, honor, the Hebrew word is kavod. which means to give weight to, to reverence, to respect. In other words, to take seriously. The fifth commandment says, honor your father and mother. It doesn't say honor your father and mother if they deserve it. It says honor your father and mother, period. Okay, think about it this way. A lot of you are or have been in the military. Uh, I would guess every one of us in here knows someone uh, that serves in the military. Our men and women in the military understand the tension that's going on here. Because regardless of what they think about a higher ranking officer as a person, they are always to salute that man or woman because of the position that they hold. Because of his or her position. There's a saying in the military, you salute the rank, not the man. You salute the rank, not the man. And so the fifth commandment says you salute the office, not necessarily the person. We're commanded to honor the office of parent. The God-ordained office of parent. Not necessarily the person in that office. Now don't get me wrong. Of course, best case scenario. Best case scenario is when we are able to honor someone. Both because of the position that they hold. But also because of the person that they are. That's the way it is meant to be. But in a fallen world, that is often not what our experience is. And so what are we commanded to do? Honor your father and your mother, no matter what. But why? Why honor our parents? It's the second question. Why should we do it? Okay, don't you remember being a little kid and asking that question a lot? Why? 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 If you have young children now, you hear it quite often. Why? Could you go do that? Why? I need you to go clean. Why? Why? And then, do you remember, now again, be the, be the child. Remember when you ask the question. Remember your favorite answer. Because I said so. Ugh. Well, you know what? That's enough. That's good enough. God says it. Honor your father and mother. He said so. That is a good enough reason to obey the command. But you know what? God also graciously gives us more. He gives us more than that. He, in fact, he, he casts vision for us so that we can begin to see the fruit of obeying this fifth commandment. If you look at verse 12 and you see the next few commandments, the rest of them are kind of bullet point, just boom, boom, boom. But the 12th is one of those that, that begins and it's got a, it's got a secondary phrase. So let's look at the second phrase for just a moment in verse 12. Begins with the familiar words honor your father and your mother. And then the second phrase that your days may be long in the land that the the Lord your God is giving you. That your days may be long in the land. Not so that God will give you the land. It makes it clear here, it's the land he is already giving you. It, this is not a way to earn it. But so that your days may be long in that land. Now, first read, it might seem like an individualistic prosperity type of gospel, but that, that, that's not what's going on here. In fact, this is not individualistic at all. Again, this commandment, just like all the commandments, were spoken to and spoken about a group of people. We often read it in the singular, as if I look to one person and I say, you honor your father and mother, the singular you. And you see, this is where Southern English is so important. As a Georgia boy, I didn't have any problem distinguishing between the singular you and the plural you. There's you and there's y'all. And if I really need to emphasize it, I can emphasize with all y'all. Okay, there's a point with this. It's to help us hear the context of what is going on. Because the original Hebrew is really Southern English. And so my best Southern English translation is this. Honor your father and your mother so that all y'all, so that all of you, all your days may be long in the land. Okay, follow me for just a moment. Here's what's being said. So that your days may be long. Or so that your days may be full. So that you, so that you may have a full, bountiful, fruitful, healthy life. So that you, so that y'all, so that all y'all may have a healthy society. You see, it begins with honoring our fathers and mothers. Because honoring our fathers and mothers leads, as God promises here, it leads to healthy families. Including healthy church families. Which leads to healthy communities. Honoring our fathers and mothers is foundational to healthy societies. As we honor our fathers and mothers, we become more and more what this second table of the law is talking about. We become more and more love neighbor type of people. And as we become more and more love neighbor type of people, we as the church, because we love our neighbor as ourselves. We engage the world around us, just like this group going to New York. We we engage the world around us, just like when you serve your neighbor, Uh, just like when there is an opportunity for an act of mercy, and you participate in that. We love the world around us through gospel word and gospel deed. And as we engage the world around us, we as the church participate with God in renewing culture, in transforming society. You see, as we honor our fathers and mothers, we grow into a healthier society. So we honor our parents because God commands it and because it is part of God's plan to transform the world. But how? How do we honor our parents? That's the third question. How do we do it? Well, in in beginning to answer this question, let me start with a story about a friend of mine. This was a dozen or so years ago. I was in a conversation with a friend, Ray. Ray and I were in campus ministry together, but we didn't know each other all that well because we, we were down in North Carolina, but we were at, at two separate uh, university campuses. And so we'd get to see each other at conferences and camps and the like. And And I remember this one particular opportunity I had just to, to get to know Ray a little bit better. And I asked him a question. It was a pretty simple question, but it really launched into me learning a lot of his story. And, and in fact, it was a very sad story uh, because his as Ray began to talk about his life, I discovered that he had grown up in a very abusive household, uh, an alcoholic uh, father, a very passive and disconnected mother, and he was just ready to get out of the house when it t- came time for college. So he thought, thought that's where he was going to find his freedom. and uh, So he went off to college, but he brought with him all of his baggage, all of his fear. Uh, he, he was, was socially Awkward, he was afraid of people, he didn't know how to engage, and so he began to isolate himself and basically hide. But there were a group of Christians on that college campus. One by one, they started to to interact with Ray and get to know Ray, and they loved him for who he was. And they spoke to him of Jesus. And they displayed the love of Jesus to him. And he fell in love with this God and gave his life to Christ. And everything began to change in Ray's life as the gospel began to take hold of him. Now, after college, uh, because of the the great love he had experienced through campus ministry, he went into campus ministry himself, and of course that's how how the two of us were colleagues. And I remember so well this conversation that one of the things that began to struck that, that struck me in this was as he was telling his story, I realized the way that he talked about his parents. He talked very respectfully, very reverently of this mom and this dad that had greatly hurt him, let him down, caused a lot of pain in his life. And as the story went on, an expression of his new life in Christ, I began to hear was the process that he had gone through and was continuing to go through of forgiving his mom and his dad, in particular, forgiving his dad. And, of course, another expression of that new life in Christ was the fact that that Ray was a father figure to so many college students. He he wanted to reflect the love of his heavenly father because of the love that he had not experienced from his earthly father growing up. But really, the the fruit that, that caught my attention that day was centered around his little boy, and he, uh, Ray got married in his early 30s, and this was his first child. He was in his mid-30s at this point, and he had a, a two-year-old son. And our conversation that day began when I went up and I said, Ray, what's it like being a dad? And I remember he just lit up, and he said, Camper, it's great. But you know what? When I think back through the history of my family, and the generation upon generation upon generation behind me that never heard, that never got the gospel. I am able to look down at my little boy, and because of Jesus, and for the generations to come, to know that the ungrace stops here. The ungrace stops here. And that has stayed with me, ringing true for generations to come. That as the gospel takes deep root, it changes families. It changes generations. It changes societies. And God says it begins here, the first commandment, the second table of the law, commandment five, honor your fathers and your mothers. You see, Ray had received God's grace into his broken life and then it spilled out, he extended it into the lives of others, including his parents and now his son. Ray also remembered his parents, he remembered them with respect, not necessarily affection or admiration, but he remembered them with respect and he worked toward forgiving them and he stepped toward them in a desire to be reconciled and ray also recognized his parents he acknowledged them he did not deny them he did not try to write them out of his story he acknowledged them and in doing so ray not only honored his earthly father and mother he also honored his heavenly father so what about you how can you honor your father and mother? How can I honor my parents? Well, just briefly, let me give you a three-part answer. Receive, remember, recognize. The very thing I just illustrated with Ray's story: receive, remember and recognize. First and foremost. Receive. If this isn't in place, nothing else will take place. Are you receiving God's grace day in and day out? Not just one moment in time, but are you continually receiving the grace and love of our Lord Jesus Christ for you? Are you living in the reality of your ongoing present need of Jesus? Just as we never get past this commandment, we never get past our need of Jesus. And are you living in the ongoing reality of his provision for you? Through faith in Jesus, Christ's finished work on the cross and the continual work of his indwelling spirit enable you to live in a posture of repentance and faith. Repentance and faith, repentance and faith, so that you can live in light of the gospel. So receive the grace of your heavenly Father, who loves you, who gave himself for you. And then, like Ray, let it spill over from your life into the lives of others, including your parents. Receive. This is where it all begins. Because as we learned in Sunday school today, honor is in the heart and is then shown by what we say and what we do. But it begins here. Honor is in the heart and is shown by what we say and what we do. So receive. Second, remember. For those whose parents have died, how do you remember Your parents. Remember your parents with reverence, respecting the office that they held, even if you are not able to respect the person that they were. And one of the most significant ways you can do this is to forgive them. Forgive as you have been forgiven in Jesus. Now, if you had a good relationship or a restored relationship with them, then speak of God's work through them in in shaping you with the gospel. But whatever the situation, whatever the situation, speak of your parents with honor. Receive, remember, third, recognize. For those whose parents are still alive... Do you recognize your parents? In other words, do you see them? Do you pay attention to them? Or, like in that fairy tale, do you write them off and and put them in a corner somewhere? Maybe not physically, but, uh, but metaphorically. Do you just write them off? Or do you see them and pay attention to them? Recognize your parents. They are people of dignity and worth because they are God's creatures. Even if they are not living in light of this reality. Acknowledge them. Don't ignore them. Pray for them. What a great way to love someone. To honor someone. Pray the gospel into their lives. If they know Jesus, pray it takes deeper root. If they don't know Jesus, pray that they would come to know him. That the gospel would take deep root in their lives would bear fruit from their lives. Forgive them. Again, forgiving as you have been forgiven. And if you have a good relationship with them, then I'd add, affirm them. Affirm them as God's instruments of grace in your life. Tell them about it. Say thank you. But whatever the situation, speak to your parents with honor. Receive Remember, recognize. It's not always easy. A lot of the times it's tough. And for some of you, tougher than others. In fact, it may seem impossible. But that's always a good reminder that it doesn't depend on us. That our obedience to God's commands is not in our own strength but in His strength. That His power is made perfect in our weakness. That His grace is sufficient. As I've said before, uh, quoting a a missionary friend of mine, the Christian life is, is really this. You must do what you cannot do with what you do not have For the rest of your life. But Jesus will do what he can do with what he does have through you for the rest of your life. And that is good news. Honor your fathers and your mothers. Let's pray.